0: When podcast hosts had to have family members tackle the most important haircut in press and cinema Full disclosure, I didn't break the lockdown rules. Zack Snyder's Justice League got a proper trailer and the gods of video conferencing turned a lawyer into a kitten. What more would you want from a podcast than two blokes entering the realm of science fiction for the first time in this series? Hello, wherever you're listening or watching, and welcome to the Rip Ticket Review, a film and TV podcast that has three main directives. Educate the public on great movies, protect classic cinema from being rebooted, and uphold strong opinions. My name's Jack Smith, and joining me over the power of is the host an original to my uh, my particular reboot good afternoon Dan Carver
1: good afternoon Jack I think we failed on the second director before we even said it because this has already been rebooted
0: yeah I mean Robocop well, I, I, I again it was kind of a chore getting a decent intro but yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and um, yeah I we'll, might we'll like, briefly touch on that about Robocop the, the reboot um, but no we're talking about Robocop the original a film that is still brilliant to this day. Mm. And then Jack admitted something shocking and horrific to me about this movie. Jack, would you like to share your sins with the audience?
0: Well, if if you insist, um, as part mm-hmm. of the preparation for this podcast, I watched this movie for the very first time last week because I've anyone who's read the blog over the last eight years I've been running it, knows that movies that have excessive violence aren't ones that I genuinely watch. But then, knowing mm. that we were going to be doing an episode on RoboCop, I thought, well, it's about time i watch this film, and I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did.
1: Good. Excellent. That's really good to hear. Yeah, I, I, I get you on the excessive violence. I, I can think of several movies that are just so excessively violent. Um, the, the Last Rambo film that mm. came out was really violent and that that was so i i, I kind of get you on this one um but yeah robocop i can't believe you've never watched it I know. before it means, i i think it's one of those movies where if you're getting into film you really need to watch it and if you're getting into film scripting and storyboarding and basically crafting a really good type science fiction film robocop should be your go-to movie because it's that brilliant. I mean, yep. I'm looking at the poster right now. Part man, part machine, all cop.
0: What a tagline! And what a great poster as well. I could easily see that yeah. in cinema 4. It was up and down the land in downland in eighty seven when it, when the film came out. Mm. Yep, yeah. um, and and it's such a great movie. Uh, it's so great that in
1: nineteen eighty seven, September the sixteenth, uh, uh, there is a news article from AP News. And I'll read it out to you. Um, A robbery suspect who fled into a theatre to escape police became so engrossed in the movie Robocop that he failed to notice that police were evacuating all the patrons behind (laughs) his front door. True story. Um, it, was a, it, was a, uh, it was a robbery suspect who went into the theatre to escape from the police. He went into the, the gents' toilets after buying the ticket to Robocop, flushed some stained money and went into the <laughs> cinema. He was so engrossed <laughs> with the movie that when the lights came up, he realised that everyone behind him had been evacuated and there was no but police there. They got taken into custody.
0: Oh, what that, that is a great a story, story, that. You don't get much yeah, of that working um, in cinema nowadays.
1: Don't know. Um, prior to the release, as well, the, the the you know Hollywood was so hyped for this that there were actors wearing fiberglass replicas of RoboCop's costumes, and they could be spotted in malls and major cities throughout the United States and Canada. And RoboCops were also spotted as well at auto an auto race in Florida, and one RoboCop was even spotted at a Madonna concert. <laughs> yeah. China, I think, has a real fascination with RoboCop because I think they had some RoboCop chicken commercials which you can watch on YouTube. Uh, I don't know if it was linked to KFC or not. Obviously, other brands are available. Other brands are available, yeah. So I, I don't know if it's that link, But if you watch it, you'll see that there are so many RoboCop adverts that are aimed, you know, that with kids in. Uh, it's it's crazy. And as well as that, Pre- uh, Richard uh, Tricky Dicky Nixon was mm. recruited to help promote the Robocop home video. He plugged the tape in return for 25000 <sighs> in which he donated to the American Boys Club. That's $25,000 to plug the tape. That's how, like this movie's got s- such a story to it. It's, Prop- it's, it's a proper um, cultural
0: movement. It's become a proper cultural movement since it came out.
1: Um, I wouldn't say it was a cultural
0: movement. Well, well, it spawned a franchise. It got the franchise.
1: It got the franchise franchise going. It's definitely um, made ripples in the cyberpunk movement Mm. because there are elements of cyberpunk in this film. But we'll start from the beginning. So, Robocop 1987. It's an American science fiction action film directed by Paul Verhoeven.
0: A man who, who was would, well-known. yeah, he'd go on to make Basic yeah. Instinct, um, one of the, the films. Instinct, yeah, um, he made Showgirls, but we
1: don't talk about. We don't that. talk about Showgirls. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> before this, of course, uh, he had uh, he had done he, he had, had uh, trademarks. Um, he, his trademark was blending graphic violence, sexual content with social satire, mm. which were all um, hallmarks of his films. Uh, See. Total Recall and Basic Instincts. Oh, yeah. Basic
0: Instincts, a.k.a. the film that got an entire Talking Smith about film episode blocked from YouTube. (laughs) Damn. That's
1: understandable. Um, It's, you know, the the movie itself, it uh, stars uh, Peter Weller as Alex Murphy, who, along with his partner, uh, attempts to apprehend some bank robbers. It all goes horribly wrong. Uh, Alex Murphy is summarily executed mm. by these bank robbers and his body is brought back to life in the shell of a robot suit and he be- uh, it, he becomes property of Consumer Products, OCP, as he is reborn as Robocop, the, the next step in fighting crime. And a, a word to the warning. If you've not watched this movie, stop watching this now. Go watch the movie. We are going to spoil the...
0: We're the gonna... out of this movie. Well, you and say that so after last week I have the button. So for those of you who are going into this with a side of caution, a word of warning. Spoilers incoming. There we
1: are. There we go. Game prepared. So, brilliant. Yep, it was made of a budget of 13.7 million made 53 million in the box office. And it runs at a very tight 102 minutes. Mm. It doesn't feel like 102 minutes at all. It it really didn't. It really didn't. Yeah. You watch the movie and it's so perfectly paced. There are no subplots that are out of place, no scenes that have no purpose. Every frame has a purpose in this movie. Yeah. So we open up with one of many in in in, it we open up in the movie with one of many uh cutaways because one of this thing that movie the movie does really well is the social satire of america Mm -hmm. and it does this with cutaways fake tv adverts and of course that that brilliant line i'd buy that for a dollar which is a running gag. The cutaways, there's Media Watch, which is at that point a generic news channel Mm. where you have two uh, people, two news anchors speaking with all smiles whilst they are going on about what's happening in the world. And, it's all good. and the world building.
0: Yeah, the juxtaposition yeah. Of, that, of those news segments, going to get a little advert splice in between. That's a good little mm. bit of expo- exposition setting. Good little introduction to this futuristic Detroit that you that we get mm. to know really well over the course of the one hour, 42 minutes. When I watched it on Thursday, I was like, this is a very smart way of doing your world building. I wish more films could go down this route, because if anything, yeah. it doesn't bore you. You always you get... Big heavy news subjects going, Oh yeah, you got a funny little advert in between. Why it's it's perfect. It's an absolutely perfect way of doing your world building. It really is.
1: Uh, we learn that the city of Detroit in the near future is on the brink of societal and financial collapse. It's overwhelmed by crime. The police are dwindling, and so it grants the mega corporation on the consumer products, OCP control over the Detroit police force. The world building that we get in the first 20 minutes of the film with the opening uh, board scene where they're introducing Ed 209, which is the first idea for automated law enforcement. Mm. It's just such a brilliant opening scene. Um, we we see, you know, the uh, the board of OCP, Daniel O'Harely playing the, the old man who is the chief executive of OCP. Uh, Ronnie Cox as uh, Dick Jones, the senior vice president, who is introducing the Ed 209 as he watches it blow away the um, poor, hapless Kenny. Um, there's a South Park joke in there. Oh, but my, God. Good for it. oh my God. They yeah. killed Kenny. There's <laughs> a South Park joke in there. As it blows apart Kenny, reducing him to pulp on, on this model of this future model of delta city which is the old man's dream you know he wants to demolish detroit city turn it into delta city the Omni consumer product's owned city the safest place on earth and you immediately sort of get this the social satire there as the reaction of the old man tells you everything you need to know about mm-hmm. ocp when he's put his head in his hand and he looks at dick jones played by ronnie cox and he just goes dick I'm very disappointed in you. And, and, and Dick Jones like just a glitch. Yeah. And, of course, the old man is looking at the pulp body and he's like, oh, <laughs> this is going to cost a million. <laughs> Straight off the bat, the social satire comes in. And then, of course, you've got Miguel Ferrer, who plays um, Bob Morton who is the OCP junior executive who swoops in and lets the old man know about the Robocop project, which is, you know, the, the uh, name of the project, which is know um, yeah, title of the movie. Which, which, which would produced...
0: change the face of Detroit police forces forever uh, when it would get introduced by chance. And we'll get onto that a little bit later on.
1: <laughs> well, yeah exactly now like i said the movie is 102 minutes the pacing is absolutely brilliant if you are looking to do tight scripts and you want to learn how to do proper you know proper scripts with no all no filler
0: all, all filler action, no all killer action,
1: that's it all no well no filler all killer i'd say oh yeah other um, way around. <laughs> You yeah, then you need to watch this movie. It is absolutely brilliant. Um, it's been, you know, the film itself has got themes of it examines nature of humanity, personal identity, corporate greed, corruption, and it does all that in, the, in just under uh, hundred, just, just over hundred minutes, just over an hour forty, what which I,
0: is incredible. Well,
1: one hundred and two minutes. And what I love about this film is that it never spoons spoon feeds you the messages
0: yeah 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 spoon
1: you them at all like one of the things that really did my mind nothing about the robocop reboot was that gary oldman was just playing professor exposition <laughs> as spoon feeding everything to the audience and talking about our you know it, it's it's nature versus nurture da, 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 da. and it's just like gary come on man we know this we're not done You know, RoboCop is one of those movies where it's this loud, brilliant social satire. It's dumb in places, but it knows it's dumb. I mean, the movie, I mean, sorry, the Um, title of the movie. It
0: tells you everything. That title tells
1: you everything. You know, it it takes itself seriously, but not too seriously, as you can see in the adverts and the, you know, the complete um, and utter... Craziness of the news cycles as you have these two news anchors smiling as they're talking about an, an out of control satellite annihilating part of America by an accident. You know, the the, the performances during those moments uh, do offer a little bit of brevity and yeah, it shows yeah. that the movie doesn't take itself too seriously when it doesn't need to. It's brilliant. I mean, what, yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean. Jack, going into this movie, what were your thoughts on it? Well, my thoughts going into this movie, obviously I mentioned the whole aspect of the violence, but then, then I watch this movie and I see that, that, that lead performance, and you mentioned the script as well. One of the things that, that really took me by surprise during researching this episode was the fact that when... Uh, the writers who are two guys by the name of Edward Neumeier and Michael Miner They came up with the idea working on the set of Blade Runner They managed to weasel their way onto the set of Blade Runner And I can see the influence yeah. that that movie had had What RoboCup yeah. does in an hour and 42 And I feel like I'm going to get hounded for saying this Does everything that Blade Runner wished it could have done in two hours But does yeah. it better? Yeah, no, that's
1: a fair, that's a fair comment to make um, now, obviously, when you, you're talking about you know the, the making of the movie, um, you, some of the satirical moments do miss, and I think mm. a lot of that has to do with Verhoeven not understanding the satirical content. Um, he actually passed down passed on the script until his wife convinced him to take it up, and he did try to put his own bit of black humour in it. In the in the uh, scene where Kenny is reduced to mash, essentially, by Ed two o nine. There's a uh, one of the executives in the room goes, somebody call a paramedic. <laughs> that was Verhoeven's attempt at black humour, which is just like... It, it didn't work. That line did not it work. work. No, it, 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 it didn't. And you can tell that Verhoeven really struggled with some of the satirical moments in this. It would have probably been a bit more funnier if... They were more concerned with I don't know. Oh my god, his brains are on my suit. Oh my god, he's he, he's he's ha- he's destroyed the tapper. You know, he, he's destroyed the model. Oh, and Kenny's dead. <laughs> oh my god. Oh you know, Oh my god. Think of the millions. It would have been a bit more, you know, better. You know, it's just an idea. I'm I'm, I'm riffing ideas off the top of my head here. Um, and the yeah, but what. The, but yeah um, I'm glad that Verhoeven Took took upon this So The movie itself Is beautifully shot Oh yeah
0: Yeah I can agree with you On that one The cinematography From Joseph Fagano Is just It's it's one of the things mm-hmm. About this movie That still holds up to this day Even watching it On a relatively small screen Wish I could have watched it On the big screen uh, But the cinematography Just it, The way it's all shot excuse It's got that you got moments With that dark gritty feel But then you have The more vibrant mm-hmm. Colourful moments Where I'm actually in the city And the way they're able to tell this in two stories Both before and after the death uh, mm. Of Of the man who Of Alex who would eventually become Robocop himself just, just the way that the amount of Thought and the amount of detail that's gone into This movie it, it's of It's time but my god it still Works all these years later it, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm, mm. I'm surprised it took me this long To watch it because I'm, I'm like what have I missed out on all this time I'm like seriously wow <laughs>
1: Well, we'll, we'll go into what happens after the movie if you want but yeah um and another thing as well that really helps with the cinematography is the sound the robocop theme is iconic yes you have that mixture of classical instruments over the techno sort of drums banging which uh, is sort of systematic uh, symbiotic uh, it's um, symbolic of alex murphy who he is as robocop he's a mach- he's you know human and that's where the, the wood instruments come in and uh, not the wood instruments so the classical instruments come in of, of the robocop theme but then of course he's a mach- part machine as well which is where the techno mm. become you know the techno drums come in it's brilliant and speaking of alex murphy peter weller i can't yes. imagine anyone else as a robocop and we have had other people as robocop who have failed mm.
0: But because this is Peter this is Weller. the de facto RoboCop here. Gary Oldman might have done what he did in the 2014 reboot, but Peter Weller is RoboCop. Yeah. That well, is
1: Gary. Gary Oldman played the um the professor the, the pro- doctor in RoboCop. It was Joel Kilman who played RoboCop in the remake. But and that tells you how forgettable the remake was. It's very forgettable. But yeah, Weller spent months working on the movement of robocop he originally uh, envisioned so he, he worked with my uh, a mime artist uh, moni yakim and he worked months developing this sort of snake-like movement for robocop and as as he sort of imagined uh, you know the movements of this machine but when weller got into the suit he realized actually my movements are rather limited i can't mm. do these snake-like movements so he went back to uh, moni yakim and moni yakim was like right okay Instead of this snake-like movement that we're going for, let's go with a liquid movement style, but a stiff, robotic, um, you know, mo- movement for Robocop, and that's how Weller came up, you know, with the the, the iconic movement for Robocop, mm. um, and it works, and it also works as well because you don't see weller's face until about three quarters of the way through the movie mm. it's all chin and the um you don't see Robocop's face you obviously you see um you see the face of um, Alex Murphy but then he's hidden behind that visor yeah. when he becomes Robocop until about three quarters of the movie and honestly the performance that that man puts
0: from his chin his chin and alone, the yeah and the voice is just fan Puts Tom Hardy to shame. Puts Tom Hardy and that Bane mask really to shame. really
1: does. I mean, Carl, you can say what you want about Carl Urban and Dread, but Weller did it first with Robocop. Yep. Um, and, yeah, it was it was tough for Peter, for, uh, Peter Weller because he spent months in that suit. Months. Mm. We've also got, as well, Nancy Allen as Anne Lewis, who is the uh, loyal police officer and partner to Alex Murphy, who begins to realise from RoboCop's mannerisms are actually who, who, who who he truly is. Because it's important to note that
0: when he becomes Robocop, he has his memory erased. He doesn't remember much about himself. All he has mm -hmm. in his mind are the three core directives. Well, the fourth fourth is classified. The prime directive. The prime directive. Serve the public trust, protect the innocent, and uphold the law. Those are all he does. It's only when he does his trademark gun flip that Anne realises, oh, Mm -hmm. it's actually Murphy here. And that's one of your main narrative... Driving force of the film is he's learning more about his history as he d- upholds his duty, and I guess another one of the aspects of the script that really works so well it's just like it builds and it builds and builds. And the moment when he realizes who he truly is—that is a moment mm. and a half. Yeah,
1: well, it, it's funny because you're talking about the gun, the gun, one of the gun flips um, that P, uh, that Peter Weller's character uh, does, that Alex Murphy does, and it's his trademark. And masculinity and authority is actually one of the main themes of RoboCop because in the nineteen eighties, cinematic heroes were unambiguously good. Mm. So you have films like Raiders of the Lost Star, Back to the Future, that promoted these films are that uh, yeah promote promote these um, unwaveringly good heroes who were just perfect in every way and. In a sense, Alex Murphy is one of those heroes, and that's what allows him to transcend from his, his, ro- his, uh, the Robocop self to at the end of the movie when he's asked, What's his name? by the old man, and, and, and Robocop just turns and smiles and says, Murphy, and that's all he needs to say. And the gun flip comes from a show, uh, called in, in, in called TJ Laser, which is the, uh, uh, a, a sci fi show, a kids show in, you know, in universe. Yeah and it's kind of it, it's it that tj laser uh, harkens back to the sort of unwaveringly good guy science fiction character of kids shows where they could just massacre the bad guys because he's the good guy we kind of accept it and he has that gun flip which of course alex murphy takes for himself because he's like well it's, it's important for a kid to have a role model and it's and, and that's one of the things I love about this movie is that gun flip it, it just seems like a a, um, a throwaway moment but it's such an important part of yeah. the movie the gun flip where he just flips his gun at the end and puts it back it's so ingrained into his consciousness that it breaks through from the pro Robocop programming and of course um, of, of course his partner sees this and Lewis sees this and is like oh hang on a minute that's a big clue of who he really is. And it's so brilliant. I know. Um, Obviously, the the biggest theme of this, uh, well, I would say, is the theme of humanity and death. Now, there was a question aimed at um, a member of the Robocop team in the movie, because there was this theory that that uh, RoboCop was kind of a retelling of the birth and death of Jesus, mm. and they used the and they used examples of Alex Murphy spread out on the crucifix as he's being shot, um, RoboCop walking on water, and the, the the theory itself was shot down, and they just said, "Look, those it was just coincidental." Mm. Which is fair enough. However, there are still themes of humanity and death. It's and and the central theme here is what is humanity and how much of Murphy is still left in Robocop. Where does Murphy end and Robocop begin? Because you have those prime directives, don't you? Um, you know, protect the innocent, uphold the law, serve the public trust, directive four, which is classified until the end. And it's you know, the audience is reading and left asking, you know, what is left of Murphy? Mm. And we're given these little bits of Murphy as he, he says, you know, his Murphyism, you know, dead or alive, you're coming with me, uh, flipping his gun, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And not importantly, um, when he is when he does become Robocop, the first person he takes out is the man who ultimately killed him. So there's yeah. that, that whole theme of, make, well, not just the humanity, but the actual doing right by himself and making sure that he's able to live the life that he wants to live, albeit not quite as he envisioned, but mm-hmm. ultimately one in which he's able to do what he loves. And I think that's sort of compounded a little bit later on uh, when he's at the school. Uh, being embraced by all the kids is like the role model as we've mentioned the, the whole role model and I, that's one of I to see the more powerful moments of the film because it has the comic aspects of the film that played up because it's like oh yeah he's a robot he's being mobbed by kids he doesn't really speak to him that much but ultimately it, that figure has become so beloved within Detroit it gives you an idea of the sort of status he's got within this universe that we it's been picked in like in just the space of one film in the space of one film a whole universe is built where people can add stuff to it and that's the sign of good writing that that is the sign of good writing when you can do two films worth of work in an hour and 40 that is genuinely impressive
1: yeah well one of the most important scenes of the movie is the death of alex murphy it yes. is drawn out it is long it is violent and it is done so that we can actually attach our own humanity to alex murphy and we feel for him as he is brought back online as as robocop and as we watch um as these little bits of, of, of alex murphy's personality bleed into robocop and the real murphy comes through mm. Sorry, my throat is very dry. And I have to get a, uh, I have to get some water. Join the curse. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's one of the most important scenes, and it works so well. The violence in this movie. It's. It is. You know, one of the ways that the movie doesn't take itself too seriously, mm. because, like I say, there are many, there are many aspects of the movie that it doesn't take itself too seriously, and one of them is the violence, and the violence is used to help not only to show how gritty this world really is but the violence is also used in alex murphy's execution to really connect with the character that was something that i think lacked in the robocop reboot in the robocop reboot we just saw alex murphy blow up from a car bomb and it was just over before it even began it was just like oh okay that that happened
0: yeah, if you if, if you're gonna room. do it, if you're gonna do that, yeah. you have to do it with style, and you'd, and this is exactly what mm. happens with the brilliant original, as I'm referring to it now, because ultimately, mm. with the violence in Dryburgh Cop, uh, one of the things with production, uh, the fact it was that violent made it difficult over in, over in America to get the art racing. So mm-hmm. okay, so originally it was gonna get the NC-17, which meant it would have missed out on a lot of the target audience. However, as mm. Brits were strong enough, we got the film uncut at 18. They had to trim it for America, and it's only in recent years that they've had the, the minute or so that it had to be cut uh, over there, put back in for the director's cut. But that mm. tells you a lot. The fact that even the MPAA had issue with it, and but very like gave up. they don't take they take every film seriously, comic or not. But the, the, the comic nature of the violence made it a little bit more tolerable. And and in in all honesty, nowadays that wouldn't be an 18. That would be 15 level of violence because it's gra- it's over the top. It's a super exaggerated, but tonally it works for the kind of film that we've got here
1: yeah it does. Um, and obviously <clears throat> another thing that makes you know the, the, the idea of humanity in Robocop is Robocop remembering his past life. We get to see glimpses into his wife, his life with his wife and child, but we never meet them. Um, it, mm. It's almost as if they're always out of reach when when he comes back as RoboCop. Yes, it's a very sad scene when he walks back in, into his old house, since long since been abandoned. Oh, and the flashbacks, and he's remembering the first time you know when he, when he walks into the house, he's remembering the time when his wife tells him he loves him, when his kid is like, "Dad, can you be like TJ Laser?" You know, these flashbacks help really show that the you know that Alex Murphy is such a strong character. And that he is, you know, such an unequivocally good guy that he will bleed through the programming. And when we find out what Directive Four is, which is, of course, you can't, the, the RoboCop cannot act against an, uh, anyone from an OCP. Um, from who works for OCP, he tries to fight against that po- mm. programming, and he it fails. But he tries to fight against it. And it's just such a brilliant scene. And of course, the last one of the other themes, the major themes as well, is corporate power. Yes. The power of corporations. Now, this is a staple in the cyberpunk, is the power of the corporations. But the world is no longer run by the government. If there is a government there, it is just for show and tell. But it's actually the big corporations, or in this case, the corporation that makes the you know, that makes the decisions. And in this case, it's OCP, the only Consumer products who are essentially the army and the police all wrapped up into one, as well as offering other s- services and products as well, which we see in adverts. They've gone into healthcare with the um, the heart uh, adverts, um, mm. a, a deeply cynical advert which essentially predicted things to come for America's healthcare. Yep, And it's... Um, the omni-consumer products, again, harkening back to the boardroom scene with the old man and with Dick and uh, with Bob Morton and Dick Jones, you get all you need to know about omni-consumer products within th- that scene it is a place it's a dog-eat-dog um, company where if you are weak, you will be destroyed in an instant, and only the strong survive. And Dick Jones is seen as as, as the man to sort of beat or to, to avoid. Where the execution of a corporate of uh, a, a corpo is just seen as a business expense. Mm. It is scary yeah. how you know how soulless omniconsumer products is.
0: Yeah, you, in, in those 30 mm. seconds, you instantly get that hatred. You want them mm-hmm. to be taken down. And ultimately, it's a machine who would go on to take them down. Their own creation who would eventually bring this corporation down in style. Down in flames, mm. I dare I say. But this OCP... Over the course of the film, you hate them even more because ultimately they are responsible for provoking the riots that would dominate the third act of the movie, understaffing, underfunding the police force, Detroit police go on strike. Mm. And it's very cleverly foreshadowed as well. When we see um, Ed 209 get introduced, goes a throwaway line and say, oh yeah, uh, you're not to go on strike because police don't strike. It's almost as to say, yeah. certainly say to those who were, were nice enough to pick it up at the time, say, this is how the film's going to end, but we're not going to tell you exactly how it plays out. You have to keep watching. And this this was about 20, yeah. 25 minutes into the end of the first reel of the film back in the day. So that would have been what the press got to see, uh, like press shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the way OCP are depicted, through these adverts, through these subtle moments, they are not just a villain but they are your, the whole antagonist of the film because it is the man versus the man so to speak and that is another one of the well, aspects of the film that I I really like so much it's just the way that subtle foregrounding of what is to come pays off the narrative payoffs are just faultless there is not much I can fault at all with this movie yeah
1: well it, it, like you say it is essentially corporations versus the humanitarians essentially the the idea of the souls corporation attempting to destroy what little there is left of humanity and this can be seen in the old man's dream of delta city the safest place on mm-hmm. earth where he wishes to build upon this brilliant new city and Erase, basically Detroit, which is obviously got its own history and its own culture, etc., which is slowly being eroded. It's a massive, massive attack on, on sort of corporate power. The old man himself, I think what makes this even better is the old man himself isn't necessarily an evil person. We don't see mm. him do evil things, but he does seem, he, he just seems very ignorant of the world around him. Hmm. And it's, it's it's he's a really interesting character because he, he's not he's not the villain of the story. The villain of the story obviously is um, Dick Jones, who is you know wanting to reach to the top and wants to get his own way and is willing to kill to get it. But you know, the, I, I, where am I going with this? But. Um, I, I love the old man as a character. I I I, I really do. Um, we've also got as well performances from Kurtwood Smith as Clarence Bodiger, who's the crime lord in league with Dick Jones. Such a brilliant performance from mm. him um, as this crazy, crazy crime lord who who is the reason for RoboCop. Um, Execute sorry for Alex Murphy's execution and RoboCop's resurrection. Um,
0: and yeah, I mean, what more can we say about this movie? It, I know. it's just fantastic. Now, one of the things we, we like to mention on this podcast has become like a running thing. We mentioned it in Karate Kid is directors making cameos in their own films. For Hoven himself, popped up uh, Dancing in a Nightclub. So I, I love it when directors make subtle cameos that so don't make much of an impact in terms of the mm-hmm. story, <clears throat> Shyman. <clears throat> um, but uh. Look, the fact that Verhoeven felt comfortable enough to appear in his own film, even with his issues with the script and it took him years to sign up, I think this was a movie that he he might not have agreed with it at first, but his vision for the film benefited it big time.
1: Yeah, and it spawned the franchise. There were two sequels, RoboCop 2 and RoboCop 3. There was an animated children's series, multiple live-action shows, video games, comic books, toys... Uh, clothing there was a reboot of robocop in 2014 which is uh, easily forgettable yep uh, There is a direct sequel called robocop returns in development as of 2020 um it, it's meant to ignore the other entries in the series how that's going at the moment i don't know i'm trying to find
0: the details um uh, it, Neil Blomkamp was to direct. He exited the project in 2019. There is a director attached, but I've not really announced much in terms of detail. I think it might be one of the first major projects. Now that Orion Pictures, who were the distributors for Robocop back in the day, now they're backing up and, up and running thanks to Bill and Ted Face Music, uh, I mm. think it might be one of the first productions that they get mounted uh, once COVID restrictions are relaxed enough to do prosthetics and practical effects to the point where they were able to do it individual because if you're going to do Robocop nowadays you have to do it by the book i.e. not much in terms of CGI on a legacy original and importantly the fact that Camp was involved at one point that's an encouraging little sign but Robocop 2 Robocop 3 I think with those particular two films from what I've read that particular trilogy for Robocop fans is cut, print don't touch it anymore this is the holy grail No, Um, RoboCop 2
1: and RoboCop 3 have a very interesting story in that they were written by Hollywood's least favourite crazy person, Frank Miller. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hollywood at the time. Uh, RoboCop 2, from what I've watched of it, is okay. It's not as good as RoboCop in that RoboCop 2 has several themes in it that it tries to fully realised, but it sort of clashes. Whereas the themes in RoboCop 1 are fully realised and they're able to go through the movie quite quickly, you know, at a reasonable pace. With RoboCop 2, they kind of finish with RoboCop's story halfway through and they don't know what they're doing. Well, there's
0: a a good reason why RoboCop 2 finishes like that. Just as they were entering production, the Writers Guild Mm -hmm. of America went on strike and the uh, original writers were fired because the studio did not like what was coming out and that's where Frank Miller came in
1: oh dear well Robocop 3 was where everything went completely tits up for Robocop Um, it was a critical failure it's they replaced uh, they replaced uh, Peter
0: Weller who didn't want to appear in the movie with somebody else it was a uh, um, believe it was Robert Burke who uh, had Robert, uh, had to uh, fill in for that one, and oof. Nancy
1: Allen, who played RoboCop's um, who played RoboCop's partner, and Lewis insisted that she die in this movie, and she died early on, uh, and the movie didn't suffer as a result of it. It was a terrible movie. It was PG thirteen instead oh, of the come on. Fire, and it flocked, and at that point we also got um a tv show which was okay ish there were also some um direct to video series of movies that were released called the uh, robocop prime directives which was about robocop in the future where he's obsolete and what happens when a man like that machine becomes obsolete like that that those were okay but generally speaking it's never got better than robocop the movie never
0: yeah but by, by from what you've from what you've just said i'm glad i only bothered with robocop one because uh, I've only,
1: I, I, I can't remember i think i've watched robocop two ages ago uh but robocop 3 i've never watched i didn't need to watch it i've watched clips of it and it's just like oh god no
0: i mean based on the fact that it did uh 43 million dollars from a 22 million dollar Budget that, and even in the nineties, that would to equate for marketing, PR, you'd have to double the budget of the film. Yeah, um, it did didn't look nice at the box office, and the reviews have kind of put me off uh, watching it. I, mean, I might review it for talking about a bit about filming the future, we never know. Uh, but it, then, after Direct Video, we got the um, Jose Padilla reboot in 2014, and importantly, this is where people... Were, there was a lot of people thinking that Joel Kinnerman coming in to remake it, and with a cast like that, it would be a good film but ultimately as we have joked about a few times it turned out to be another quite forgettable Robocop movie
1: yeah it's not the worst Robocop movie it was okay it was directed by um, Yosei Padua and the thing about Robocop uh, with remakes is that you don't want to make a shot for shot remake of a movie because otherwise you just watch why don't you just watch the original movie Mm. Um, you need to introduce something new to the remake, whether it's a new direction or a retelling of the story from different events. And I respect that Yo say Padilla, the director tried to do this. However, a lot of the problems I had with the movie Robocop the Reboot is that it spoon feeds us what the messages are. Mm. And the thing is, Robocop the original was not afraid of letting the audience follow the breadcrumbs spoke so to speak and come up with their own conclusions it is a movie that required discussion and it was also a movie where actually you don't if you didn't know about what the themes were you could just sit back and watch the glorious violence and the story
0: mm.
1: you don't get that with the 2014 robocop at all it's it, it's a shame it because it's First off, it's a, again PG thirteen, which is like, well, why? Part of what makes RoboCop amazing is the is the violence, the cartoony violence. You know, the scene where one of the criminals is coming out of the back of the van after it's crashing into toxic waste is so unbelievably <laughs> comic. And then, the, and the ensuing death scene, it's it, it's like it's ripped straight from a comic book. And that's RoboCop's violence; it's ripped straight from a comic book. There's nothing serious about the violence at all. But with RoboCop 2014, it was a it was a 12A in the UK, which would tell you everything. Mm. You know, the the, the violence in, in this was negligible. Um, and it was just a forgettable movie. Mm. I, mean, I, reme- it, it I, I remember out. when the film
0: came out. I remember when it... Because uh, uh, 2014 was when I went weekly at that cinema. And I remember when RoboCop 2014 hit cinema and everyone was thinking, mm. will it work, will it not work? And ultimately... Ultimately, it didn't. I mean, out of mm. twelve, out of twelve, and to get forty-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and yeah, it's just looking at some of these reviews here, it 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 feels like it's a pale imitation of the original. And people look back on it, look back on both films. You got the original from eighty-seven and twenty-fourteen, and they are light years apart. And with everything that's been said about twenty-fourteen. It just reeks of studio interference, and it—it's. Well, I'm not surprised. Sony were involved, <laughs> uh, but importantly, yeah. importantly, with the eighty-seven original, it it still holds up incredibly well. all these years later, it doesn't feel like a film that was made in the 80s. There are elements that feel like it was made in the 80s, but the the themes have really stood the test of time, the way it's been put together. In the hands of a capable filmmaker, you could have some really good fun building upon the universe, but ultimately no one's really perfected the formula, aside from Verhoeven and the original writers, of how to make a really damn good Robocop film. And yeah. it's it's a shame, really, because you can really build upon this solid foundation and continue the Alex Murphy story as he finds out more about his life. And obviously, it won't be the same uh, without Peter Weller, because he's he'd be a little bit too old to play the role nowadays. But if they could integrate it somehow and get Weller involved with a, a reboot, should it ever happen, that I would I would be down for that
1: yeah i'm I'm hoping that this you know one day we will have a return to form for Robocop returns um I, I think the I say the, the prime directives, which was the um, movie which essentially turned into a TV miniseries um it did well in going back to the dark gritty roots uh without violent roots i should say um but it was still there you know i I think
0: i i you know i don't know i I, I, i'm just going to enjoy the original and that's that yeah i mean that, that original is i can i can see having now watched it myself i can see why people regard it very highly i mean it might be, so some people think it's 80s cheese, and a lot of people like 80s cheese. But ultimately, what made this film so work is it's the violence. It pushed boundaries for Hollywood at the time, because back then, the NPAA was still running a roost on what you can and can't do at, at, at NC17. Uh, obviously, it was cut for America, but America, it didn't really matter because it would make a bucket load of money, which, again, was good for Orion and MGM at the time. The piece of the performance mm. obviously nailed the role because he, you he, he have those two sides. You've got that human Murphy, um, which the, the soul of the character. Then once he's in the suit, as we've mentioned, finding himself over the course of the film. and then when, I think one of the more pivotal scenes for me where he really nails the whole Robocop sub nature when he goes into the police station, goes into off-limits areas, logs into that computer, finds out about the guy who killed him and then finds the file... For Murphy himself on the police record mm. system, and then he finds out about more details about his own death. That is where that key theme of humanity really comes into roost again. Because it's at that moment when he realizes, right, I have a past. This is how it all played out. This is how I'm gonna go in and get my revenge, and this is how I'm gonna ultimately live again. That is the moment yep. where, that is the moment where even though he's like all had all the genetic engineering and the programming done to him this is the moment where robocop becomes alex murphy again and that it and just just a subtle way of doing it but it again it just works so well and it's
1: cemented at the end scene when um robocop shoots um dick jones out of the window and the old man asks himself uh, you know asks that's a nice shooting son what, what's your name and robocop just decides, discards the Robocop identity in, in a sense and just smiles and says, Murphy, Well that's well, it. He is now Alex Murphy. He, he is no longer, you know, he, he is no longer just a machine. He is Alex Murphy, the man.
0: And importantly, with that moment, he just before that, he broke directive four, which is don't uh, engage with uh, the OCP. Uh, don't arrest or uh, kill any OCP employees, breaking Directive yeah. 4 and then coming out of the line. He didn't,
1: he didn't break Directive 4. Oh, oh, was, it was nullified, um, yes. It, was no, it, it wasn't it nullified either. It was um, the old man fired Dick Jones. So because the, he fired Dick Jones, he was no longer an employer of OCP.
0: Right, right, which
1: right. Is why, which is why Murphy goes, thank you.
0: But importantly, Directive 4 out the pan, kills, kills OCP employees, comes out that Murphy line. He is... He's back to being himself but with a hell of a load more abilities and ultimately, if they'd have continued it, he would have become one of the best officers in that force um, because who needs yeah. who who needs like a big army of officers when he got one Robocop? And that's kind of proven quite mm-hmm. early on in the film. When he makes his first kill in the suit, that's mm-hmm. one of the subtle comic natures of the film, is that first killer's is Robocop, uttering the line, dead or alive, you're coming with me, well, it turns out, dead. hmm <laughs> Yeah,
1: but yeah, brilliant movie. Watch it, watch it again. That's brilliant. Cut wrap straight to print.
0: Cut wrap straight to print. I mean that, again, Robocop is it, it's a film that has it stood the test of time, and I I I enjoyed that. Someone someone's actually put on the Facebook the greatest story ever told uh, in the Facebook comments, there. and uh, I I'd actually say it is one of the greatest science fiction stories committed to film because it just works on so many levels.
1: Yeah. Definitely, I can't see the Facebook comments, unfortunately, but it is um, it is definitely one of the best sci-fi stories out there. It is so it there's no fluff, mm. and I think that's a big mistake. A lot of movies make is that there's there's too much fluff in movies. You know, too many side plots. And and with RoboCop, it's a simple. It, it knows what the story is. It knows how to get from A to B. Every frame has a purpose. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's. It, what, it, what what more can you say about *Road the Coming at this as the first timer, watching this in the year twenty twenty one, it it is a movie that again it's it's it just works on many levels and the way it's directed, the way the script comes together brilliantly, and I can see the Blade Runner influences on it because obviously the writers stuck their eye onto the Ricky Scott set, they had the idea and they shopped it around the studios for a few years. It was MGM and Orion who'd take on the script and they were able to do it without... Much in terms of studio interference, which is the best kind of outcome you can want for a movie of this nature. Oh, definitely. Uh, I mean, sure, there were some difficulties on set, getting to know the suit, difficulties within the filming, um, tensions between Verhoeven writers and cast members, uh, difficulty with casting as well, but ultimately the film came together, shooting in Dallas over nine weeks. Filming in temperatures of up to 46 degrees Celsius. I wouldn't be on a film set in that kind of weather, believe me. Uh, But it all came together in a way that makes it all the suffering on set worth it. We hear a lot of stories coming out of film sets about tense environments, about weather difficulties, about lighting difficulties, location difficulties even. But for everything that they went through, making... RoboCop happened back in 1987. I'm really glad this movie got made because it kickstarted a brand new era within Hollywood. It it st- was one of the first movies to make the cyberpunk ideologies feel cool within cinema and society as a whole. And I mean, I know cyberpunk has had a bit of a bad rep lately, especially thanks to a certain video game. But importantly, sure. uh, it it paved the way for more gritty cyberpunk esque things within Hollywood as a whole and as a result I mean Frank Miller got involved quite late on in the franchise and he'd redeem himself quite later on in his career with Mad Max Fury Road I know that film has issues and everything about it but importantly this was a film that gave Hollywood the impetus to start thinking of new ideas it made intelligent science fiction Possible. It made intelligent science fiction feasible because they knew it would bring in the crowds, get box office profits, and importantly, set into motion production on a lot of other movies, and importantly, riding off the coattails of Blade Runner, which came out a few years prior. That really helped it as well. It's one of the first movies that really capitalised on the back of what Ridley did in 82 with, with that original Blade Runner film. It is a yeah. film... Robocop is a film that changed cinema for the better and mm-hmm. if only more people got to watch this film and see it for what it is a game changing movie that rightly belongs on the big screen
1: definitely um, although I, I would like to point out something you said Frank Miller gave us Mad uh, Max Fury that's George Miller
0: oh yeah uh, it's been it's been a long week Frank Miller Sin City
1: yeah Sin City it came to it. yeah and then he sort of completely destroyed
0: his career again yeah I mean yeah, and, and, uh, and if, yeah anything after yeah. have to yeah. say Dame to Kill 4 is yeah yeah but, I've, I've had yeah. I've, I've, I've um, many interviews over the last 24 hours my brain's been frazzled <laughs> don't you worry about it uh, but, but yeah. yeah brilliant movie cut wrap straight sprint done what's next brilliant uh, right well what's next uh, over the weekend I oh, we mentioned it during our Karate Kid episodes. We mentioned work of one Elizabeth Shoo, and that prompted me to have a lo- another little look at the Back to the Future trilogy. And that is oh, a movie, sweet. that is a movie, a trilogy that I hold so dearly to my heart to a point where I've literally already, already prepared the show and everything. So next oh, week, brilliant. on the Rip Ticket Review, we'll be looking at Back to the Future as a trilogy and why, even after 35 years, 40 years on from the release of the trilogy, it is just such a great movie. I mean, to think that 30 years ago, Back to, Back to the Future 3 had just come out in cinemas and people were still watching it for what it was. And it, It's even a musical now. And if it wasn't for COVID, Back to the Future musical would be playing in West End right now. I can't imagine it as a musical. Well, I well, really can't. Well, if but... uh, well, we'll discuss it a lot more next week, but the original writers were yeah. involved and they've, they've devoutly said that they are never going to authorise a remake as long as they oh, are wow. alive they will not let a remake happen
1: oh wow okay yeah that's fair um, but yeah we'll talk about that
0: next week I guess yeah, and, 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 and importantly it means I have an excuse to talk to my old mate Ed Greenberg because that's, well, that's one of his favourite movies but that is next week uh, here on Facebook and YouTube of course we're simulcasting every episode of a Rip Ticket Review live when it airs either on a Monday or a Tuesday. Depends on what's happening in real life, but we will keep you all updated on social media as to exactly when we are on air. Facebook.com forward slash ripped ticket show. Twitter.com forward slash ripped underscore ticket. Uh, For our podcast listeners, if you're missing out, if you're not watching live, uh, we stream the show every Monday from 3pm before it goes out on all major uh, podcast platforms on Apple Podcasts, Google and Spotify. Uh, and there's, there's, I'm, I'm three episodes in and I think we've already outdone ourselves in terms of the topics this, this, this time around. I'm, I'm, it's great to yeah. have this podcast back. Um, I'm really glad, man. Really yeah. glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, well, well the, fact that, the fact that we've got 70 subscribers on the YouTube channel tells you a lot, really. But yep, that is it for this week's Rip Ticket Review. We'll be back potentially next Monday from three o'clock for a delve into the world of Back to the Future. But until then, my name's been Jack Smith. I've been Dan Carver. This has been a Rip Ticket Review. Until next week, we'll see you at the movies.
1: Bye.